Real Kipper and Bourne, show number 126. Derek Brandeo, Jennifer Rolnick, Sammy McKee, and in for Justin Bourne. And there will be no power uh, surge or shortage today because we got electricity. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> or maybe a little bit of a surge. I like it. I like it. Uh, yes. halfway, halfway, can you do something like the Canes? On a power surge, <laughs> halfway through or yeah, at the will, end of the I show, will, I will. Yeah, well, yeah, hey, it's lasted, hasn't it? Everyone was laughing at it, right? This the uh, the surge at the end. Now fans wait around and whatever. Just shows they keep winning. I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want, Sammy. Do we know where Justin Bourne is? Because I could take a day off on Friday on April Fools, yeah, but we, it's we, not April Fools, and he's not here. Yeah, he's a, it's a maintenance day. Maintenance let's just, day. Let's just say that. <laughs> See, he's, he's, he's 35. Working Mate. his bag off. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, yeah. he's only 35, so he's, maintenance day. He does need a maintenance day. Yeah. He's, he's just, in the maintenance era. He's in uh, very involved in Planned Parenthood, is what I understand. Okay. Yeah, that's, a, that's that kind of the maintenance, yes. Well, yes. we'll know he'll be back tomorrow, and we appreciate you filling in I'm for ready. today's show. And this is one of those softball shows for, for Leaf Nation and Sammy McKee because... This isn't just any other show. This is a show where you uh, you beat the Stanley Cup champions quite yeah, handily. And when absolutely. I, when I saw Sammy McKee moonwalk into the studio today. Is that today, what he was doing? Yes. Oh, I thought he had a liquid lunch. Okay. <laughs> you know he's feeling really good about a convincing 6-2 victory over Tampa Bay Lightning. And, I, I mean, over the years, if you even want to say the – the Kyle Dubas era or the the Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews era, where would the feel of last night's victory put, be put up against anything they've done? So last year we had, or the abbreviated year, those three wins against Edmonton, right? But that was a false environment, right? It was uh, it was bubble world. It was just the Canadian division, you, you, you know, but it was thinking, okay, wow, this, this is rarefied or air. So back to reality and the Atlantic division, um, yeah, it, it would be one of those that you talk about the end of the season. Like I, like it's as good as a regular season win as, as I can remember, you're defeating the two time Stanley cup champions. Uh, you're going to, you know, you've got to try to get not a statement game, but just to feel a vibe, a good feel going into the playoffs and the manner in which you did it. Kippy, like, like it's right up there. I, the old Maple Leaf Gardens days, there'd be the great buzz around there, the coffee shops and every. You know, you don't quite get that anymore. You know, people didn't have cell phones back then. But after a big win, it was awesome. Like just, you know, you drove downtown and people would honk their horn and wave or whatever. And just that's the kind of everyone's talking about the game. Everyone's everyone, even, even peripheral hockey fans are talking about the game. Including in the uh, 6-2 victory is, of course, uh, Matthews ties Rick Vive, 54th goal of, of his season. Ties a record. I'm sure everybody's be tuning in tonight to see him hopefully break the record mm-hmm. um, for Sammy and, <laughs> and think, his crew. Do you think Ricky thought there'd be another day or two he could Jeez. enjoy it? You know, could, just you know, is, you know, you know, Ricky. Well, I know Ricky. Well, like, is okay. he on Highway 70? What is it? Six heading down <laughs> south right now. I don't. It's. Uh, I put out a tweet about just what a like Rick Vive wore the Leaf jersey with a lot of pride. He really did, and he was a great class act on and off the ice because I was around there then. So I'm glad he's getting some props that way. But yeah, I think I think Austin Austin's on a mission. Like like like, you know, he I've never I've never seen what was it, forty seven goals in forty seven games? That's what it is yeah, that's like what it is. Goal, that's goal, goal yeah, a game. Yeah. Yeah. 
There was a line. There was a goal a game line in New York once upon a time. Yeah, Vic Hadfield, John Rattel, and uh, Rod, um, Rod Gilbert, and Rod Gilbert, and that was always dumb because goal a game wasn't a big deal, right? It was like seventy games back then. That's twenty three goals per person. They were more than goal a game. Forty seven in, in forty seven. Yeah, and the, it's right place, right time, best best release in hockey. Yes. Uh, Big, strong guy. It's almost as if now uh, he, he can do no wrong. And it's, it's, it's Mitch Marner as well. I mean, two points a game is a, is a given now for these guys oh, for close to half a season. It's, okay. it's a remarkable run. So two things without talking about Austin Matthews. There's a, a run right now, the, the highest scoring 30-game segment in Leaf history. And it's not Austin Matthews. It's Mitch Marner. Yeah. 57 points. The other three after him, Doug Gilmore, Lanny McDonald, Daryl Siddler, all in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And the other thing i got to tell you, Kippy, if you didn't watch the game and you just follow hockey and you go, Andre Vasilevsky's in goal and there's six goals. Like, I've seen that guy. You've seen him play ridiculous, yeah. right? Like, you've seen him play that there's 30 scoring chances and 29 are stopped. And, and that was, not, you know, when you get in the playoffs, I don't know how often Andre Vasilevsky is. And I don't think, did he let any soft ones in? I, I really didn't. Do you think I so? I looked at Engvall's opening goal, and that wasn't a cheapie. No. That was a, that was a great, great shot, great release yeah. in, in a perfect spot. I, I didn't see too many bad ones. So the point being is last year, it was tough to beat Carey Price, and they really couldn't do it consistently. So you took on as good a goaltender. And that's why when you talk about the importance of last night's game, Kippy, you took on as good a goaltender as there is in the NHL right now. And, you know, the guy that can steal games, and you put six behind him. Sammy, you want to take a breath at this? Yeah, it's just, it's really enjoyable to watch them the way they're playing right now. And I think that the hat trick was kind of a, not maybe a microcosm of his season in terms of how he scored the goals. The first one is him just coming down, beating one of the best goalies in the world clean, just staring him down and shooting it off the bar and in. The second one's Mitch Marner setting him up with a ridiculous pass through sticks and legs right on the tape. And the third one's Matthews just going to the front of the net and, you know, finding it in a scrum, being in the right spot. And has anybody ever made it look scoring look easier than that third goal that he scored? He almost looked disinterested that he had to shoot it into the top of the net. I, it's a real treat. And, I mean, you guys are talking about 47 in his last 47. He's got 71 in his last 82. Yeah. It's It's otherworldly scoring pace unlike we've seen in the NHL in I don't know how many years. I mean, Matt, uh, Ovechkin never scored 70. Stamkos never scored 70. Like, he's on a 70-goal pace. Yeah. It's you know, hard to imagine. As much as we love the goals here, e- even the play that he, he's, the takeaway and the setup on Matt yes, uh, Marner. And for me, and I've stressed this all season long, that that's a side that and and the other one that stuck out uh, sticks out to me as well is the one uh, the backhand pass in Boston to Mitch Marner, mm-hmm. where if if now he's got goalies thinking that he could he could make a world class pass as well as a world class release that that takes him to a, no, a whole new level. Kippy, they're doing what we talked about them staying. The, the pregame skate out by themselves, which I'm sure they do practice as well. Like, they're doing that now in real games. That stuff yeah. they kind of, you know, they just kind of ha- hack around and do that kind of pass. By the way, Sammy, microcosm, that's my word, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah you like Okay, no yeah. sweat. I'm glad. It, guess what? I, kids know, grow up so quickly. Yes, huh? I've been yeah. listening to you so much. Oh, you're such a professional <laughs> broadcaster over the last five years. So I just, I just, I just, so, okay, so microcosm. But how about Austin Matthews gets beat on that faceoff, and he gives a little chirp to the linesman. That was, he was right. 
that wasn't a good puck drop. But that's Austin Matthews' first imprint of the game. Gets uh, beaten clean, and Tampa Bay scores. Uh, he doesn't get demonstrative. Just you see the linesman. That was a brutal drop. It was. And he goes out. Not that he owes anybody anything. And all just kicks ass, right? And that, that's the part. Just, you know, not, not wallowing later about, yeah, you know what? The, the, I, was, I was ticked because uh, Puck got... No, just go out and find a way to take control of the game. So let me ask you guys this, because I think it's a pretty natural feeling to feel better about the Leafs' chances in the playoffs, the first round of the playoffs, after what we've seen this last little stretch. But were you surprised at how sort of almost slow the Leafs made the two-time... Tampa Bay Lightning, the, the Stanley Cup champions. Look, I thought the game, the first period, it looked like a pretty even pace. Yeah. And then the pace looked like it was a little bit too much. That's what my biggest takeaway was. Yes. And there's no question when the Leafs are going, one of the best four checking teams, uh, the speed of all four lines is been abundantly there the whole mm-hmm. season. Where they leak oil a little bit is making poor decisions at the wrong time, bad pinches, missing assignments in front of the net seem to be cleaned up. But, you know, there there is a sense, too, with the Tampa Bay Lightning that uh, they're, they're, they're not close right now. I, I think in the last month they're under 500, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. So there's there's ample reason to believe that uh, they're, they're not where they need to be. Can they get to where they need to be? Yeah, quite possibly. But a lot of conversations I had last night with various people were, hey, they, they look like they're a team that uh, is, is running out of gas after uh, two hard runs. Well, that's, that's why when you, uh, when I filled in yesterday for Ben Annis with Stephen Brunton, you joined us off the top. And I asked you the question because yeah. I meant it about you won a Stanley Cup in 1994 with the New York Rangers. And, th- and that, that was a battle. That was double overtimes, seven game Stanley Cup final. I know talking to guys in Chicago, they talked about how exhausted they were. The parties the second time are just exhausting, actually. The social part in the, in the, in the offseason. And, and I just said to you about how exhausting was it back in 1994 yeah. because mentally and physically to get to that level. And that's what Tampa Bay's trying to do three years in a row. Yeah, and they've made necessary changes. Did anybody really notice uh, Hagel much Oof. last night? Last time I checked, they gave up, what, two first-rounders for him? Yeah, late first rounder, right? <laughs> when, when you're Tampa, <laughs> I don't want to pile on here because these are the type of words that can come back and bite you in a playoff series. But boy, he for Listen, a guy they, they traded they, two first round picks for, you'd like him to be a little bit more noticeable. They're not biting you today. No, then that's yeah. that's the most important thing. All right, let's let's get to a little uh, uh, Kippers Clippers here with, and I need some electricity behind the clip before we go to Sheldon Keith, please. Beautiful. Can you I believe the price of it? caught up in it, um, but I'm aware of it, and I think <laughs> it's, I think it's outstanding. I mean, for him to take a, first of all, getting the 50 goals that in itself is is a milestone for him, and then no hesitation, you know, he's on to the next thing, which is the next game and the next challenge. Um, I think his focus remains on leading this team. And that's the best part about him. He just stays humble, continues to work. He knows he's a great player, knows the goals are going to come. This is part of what he does for our, for our club. And, um, but he's leading our team in lots of, lots of different ways. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm most excited about. <clears throat> but no doubt the, the accomplishment of you know, tying that record here and doing it so convincingly here on the road. Um, it's a team like this. And uh, just around the corner from getting the 50th is, is pretty outstanding. 
The goals have kept coming. Uh, maybe his play has dropped off a little bit when it comes to uh, dominating when he's not putting the puck in the net. Did you? We've we've talked a little bit about this and whether or not um, you know where he is feeling physically, but the goal scoring, the shot, the opportunities to score, they have never wavered. But the, I've noticed in the last probably week and a half, I don't, I don't, I didn't necessarily see that, that same energy, hmm. but the goals have, yeah, they, they've, they haven't stopped. So what, what I like you mentioned the other play that he's really improved on. It's like he has a lacrosse stick. And if you have the puck and Austin Matthews is somewhere, I, I think in his family, there's a lineage of great pickpocketers. I think his great, great grandfather or something. Cause that's what he's become now. Yeah. The guy that all of a sudden, I didn't notice that the first couple of years, but all of a sudden you got the puck. I'm Austin. I got the puck. How the hell did you get the puck? Right. And so I think maybe, and you know, I remember they talked about Chris Cuthbert had the line about, um, or, or, or Craig Simpson just saying, it's hard to hide in the weeds. He's gotten good about sort of planting himself in the weeds in a, like Gretzky was great about that in, in the harmless place that all of a sudden at the right time, then you're there. So it seems that maybe there's more, um, more, experience, knowledge, and analytical, I don't like using the but analytical part about it, that he's like a chess game a little bit more. And Marner's right there with him. Oh, gosh. Gosh. You know, and and you're you're like, like, okay, and and we got in, I got in this argument yesterday. It wasn't even an argument, but just, um, hey, everyone loves Mitch Marner. Okay, like, I mean, I don't... Well, that's like, not true. No, it's uh, Kippy. Kippy. But he got beat up bad no, last no, year no, in the playoffs. No, you, The team got beat up bad. Social media, if you read... so, Don't read social media, okay? <laughs> the, people were pissed about the team, and they had a right to be. And the team's reaction, and I use the analogy, because you got kids the right age, and I got kids the right age. Sam knows this. I think I said this to you on the air at the time, that it's kind of like someone who's got a kid that all of a sudden the fourth time in a row they've dented the family car and you're going, oh, don't worry, we'll be right there, okay? You can drive our car, don't, you know, whatever. And that was kind of the feeling in the summer. Like, can someone get can someone get a little mad about it or kind of say, you know, and said, well, it's part of the process. And, probably, you know, that was the point. And and when, when Kyle Dubas said after the Columbus uh, series, I'm pissed off about the criticism towards Mitch Marner, then that heightened it. People, like love Mitch Marner like they do. They did not like the way the team, Mitch Marner included as a prominent player, has played in the last two playoffs. I think I think that perception's out of whack. Sammy, are you with Gord or, or me? I mean, Mitch has been a little bit of a... Uh, he's been a polarized figure here. Bit of a lightning last, rod. A little bit, you think? I... I, I mean, bef- before we had conversations, and and there was a there was the the Nylander camp and the Marner camp, and we we said those camps don't like each other. It's I, not that simple. I think that I've said this to you before that everyone is just guarded with this whole team, and Marner and Matthews are at the head of it. Everyone is guarded with how the playoffs went last year, and because, the year before. Well, the year before is weird. I, I honestly don't even no, really it's count. Not. I don't even really count the Columbus. Thing. I, I do. Don't, I don't fans even, do. When I don't think, I, when I think back to that, I don't even. Anyways, last year was the worst what, that thing. Ca- that playoff didn't count. It just, it just. I don't. No I, fans I, remember. Did you tell Tampa about. Yeah, yeah. That one well, you want to if you want my true thoughts, it's just it was just weird. I, I don't really remember it as a cup. Well, but anyways, <laughs> COVID was weird. It's, it's weird. just <laughs> we don't need to get into that. Yeah. But my point is, is that. I've said this to you, I think, last week, Kipper. If the Leafs get past the first round this year and go on a run and Mitch Marner is playing the way he's playing right now and Austin Matthews, there is 
no one in Toronto, in the GTA, in Ontario, wherever you cheer for the Leafs, that will be more popular than Mitch Marner. Okay, People keep- are guarded against what happened in the playoffs last year and against Columbus and their lack of production and the stuff they said. They Listen, I love watching Mitch Marner, but I still have the feeling deep inside me that says, do it in the playoffs, perform in the playoffs. That's thought, even with Matthews, it's not just one or the other. I still have this thought in me, and watching last night is the best I've felt about the playoff potential but it's still there for Leaf fans. Define a run for me, please. Two rounds. Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. Win two rounds. Wins two rounds. Go wins. to the conference final. Yeah. Win two no, rounds. They just got to win one round. They they lose one round. It's all hell again. You know, they win one win. round. They lose the second round. Fine. And everything's fine. They win one fine. round. Their butts Everybody's kissed. Everybody's happy. Yeah. I, I actually think. Happy enough. I think yeah, Gordon. Honestly, yeah. that. that, that it's, it makes me sick to happy hear enough. that. Well, it's kind well, of sad. No, hey, the no, bar's no, that low. It's pathetic. What? You're, what it's, I have to say or Sam has to say? Bar. Well, <laughs> that's say, where the bar is. To say, no, it's not. Yes, not my 100%. bar. Not my bar. <laughs> what, what, that's the fans' bar wasn't there. That's why they were pissed at Mitch Marner and the other guys about the playoff. This if they is, get one round, they're going to be closing got, streets after the games. You've got they two are. of the greatest hockey players. You've had them. You've, Absolutely. You've, you've developed them. They're at the peak right now. Yeah. There is a small window here because of this stupid salary cap that this team could get really bad in in, in, in two years. Yeah, there's and, a window. And this is the this is one of maybe I don't even know next year. We'll see. Who's your starting goalie? How much is he making? Who's here? Who's not? You develop Mikheyev. He might be leaving because he's making too much money. This might be the the only window you have. Wait, no one's making too much money. There's a cap, but no, it's a, it's about cap management and astute management. So it's beyond Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and how you handle the cap and get the complementary players and get the depth guys. The St. Louis Blues have done a we'll talk to Darren Payne. 720 goal scorers, okay? Uh, you know, just about, and, and, and they don't have a big star like Austin or Mitch. They're stars. Like, man, if these guys are not in town... I mean, what a treasure. You're going to look back, but you don't want them to be Marcel Dion either. We love Marcel, but to be a Hall of Famer, top scorer, one of the top scorers of all time, and never get a sniff of close to a Stanley Cup, right? We're going to have uh, Randy Moeller, uh, Panthers uh, color analyst, come and help us tee up uh, tonight uh, where the Panthers are at. uh, I'm walking all over your clips, right? Like, this is Clipley's Believe. Remember the Buffalo guy, Clipley's Believe It or Not? I do remember that, yeah. Passed away, huh? Oh, Car accident. That. Yeah, sorry. Sorry I had to hear it here. About 15 years ago, though. Clip, please. Do you remember that, Sam? Clip, please, believe it or not. I have no idea what Clip you guys Smith. are talking about. Clip oh, Smith, no Buffalo idea. sportscaster. Sorry. No, no yeah, clue. And he's bringing us. JB's <laughs> gone, and he's bringing us 15-year-old. <laughs> 15's okay. A 15-year-old. 15, one five uh, is okay. <laughs> scoops. <laughs> one five is okay. All right, listen, uh, just on the subject of Marner, uh, let's get his thoughts last night. When it comes to uh, his partner in crime, yeah, uh, I feel like a proud brother to be honest. Um, even when that fiftieth went in, um, I can only imagine how excited he was. I was trying to keep my uh, energy pretty low, but I was I was quite fired up when he got fifty. So um, he does a lot for us on that ice. Uh, it's great seeing him get rewarded. Um, you know, like I said, it's uh, it kind of feels like a proud brother moment. Uh, we've been through a lot together, and um, you know. He, just trying to keep pushing each other every day, and um, it's great seeing the, the effect show. You know what I got out of that? What? We've been through a lot together. So that tells me everything I need to know that these guys, they're growing up, and yeah. they're starting to understand that this is great, but we go out in the first or second round, we're going to be going through a lot more. 
because no, they, just the first round. You get to the second they, round, the people people will take it. Yeah, but but you don't get in the first round, and and I, the, I'm a big believer though. It's not if you lose some; it's how you lose sometimes. Big time, and, correct. Big time. I, I mean, are they going out quietly in the second round? Are they fighting? Are they battling injuries? A, a bad suspension. Their right. best playoff game round, seven. Their best playoff round this team played was against Washington the first time in six games. Five of those games went to overtime. That was the best battle. That's the other problem. Those series against Boston went to seven games, but the seventh game or the fifth game against Columbus, and again we keep going back to the playoffs, have been like their worst games of the season. That's been the problem because you're right about that. It's how you go out, and that's what people's the freshest memory for everybody. Game seven Montreal, game five Columbus, two game sevens Boston. That's why we talk happiness today when you beat Tampa Bay. Beat Tampa, beat Boston. Beat Florida. Beat Florida, beating top teams. Let's get Sheldon Keefe's uh, uh, thoughts on the opportunity to play top teams. Oh, we're excited about it. I mean, we come on this trip, <clears throat> come on this trip excited for this for this opportunity to compete and play. You know, we start <clears throat> with, a, with an important win in Philadelphia, and then we come out here and, you know, I mean, this back-to-back, you know, in – in Florida here with Tampa and the Panthers, you know, it's been, it's been kind of, you know, uh, like a flashing light in the schedule for all, all season long, you know, that, you know, this is going to be a difficult one uh, for us to play like this here tonight. It was great, but obviously a very good team is going to be waiting for us tomorrow and uh, we're going to have to be prepared for that. There's as good as any team in the league on home ice and uh, it'll be another challenge for us. Just watching Tampa Bay and and knowing what they've gone through the last two years, they 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 weren't ready to play last night. They they, they I don't know what's yeah. going on with them. What's a long season? This There's is ebbs and flows. This is one of those where uh, you're you're watching it and as excited as everybody is, and you know I get accused of being negative or uh, my bars not where it should be. It's too high. But even last night, Sammy. That is not a playoff feel. It is such a high level now of first, intensity. First period was, and, and then the least blew them out. Yeah. No, the answer is no. It, it is a different beast. Ah. That is a regular season. That's a great regular season game. But in the playoffs, and I don't know whether or not they're eventually going to run out of gas or not, Tampa Bay, but... Tampa Bay went in last night and just thought that they're going to show up. There was a sense of arrogance that they were just going to show up as ex-champions and they were just going to be good enough. That's not the case. And if you want to, act, you want to act like that against the Leafs, they will embarrass you. And mm-hmm. I think that happened last night. But the playoffs, and you've been through it as, as an executive. It is about a game plan. It's about strategy. It's about an intensity that no regular season game can match. And Tampa Bay wasn't ready. And I'm not sure Florida is going to be ready tonight either. Yeah, it's at that that kind of languishing vanilla part of the season, isn't it? They already, particularly with the standing so polarized, there's the have and have nots. There's no battles. And, and Kippy, uh, and you know, because this is the style you played. And, and, uh, and Sammy, you're like, this is something, whether it's 15 years ago, 50 years ago, or five days ago, that when the playoffs start, if you're a, a player that, can be physical at times. Like an 82-game season is exhausting. So if, if I give Nick Kiprios the best hit of the season, great. He's not playing me again all year. I've, I've, I've softened him up for the next five opponents. But the playoffs, as you know, Kipper, 
every single you start finishing every hit you start going after finish and and then they the ones that start expecting it and don't like it you know and that's where gary roberts and darcy tucker and shane corson those guys were great just all of a sudden you ramp it up because you're extracting a toll on the opponent that you're going to play in two days and and it builds up and builds up and that's just one of the elements we're talking about none of that last night that well that was like a glorified exhibition game for the tampa bay lightning so you don't Listen, I, I I have a tough time coming on here and not giving the Leafs full credit for you're, what you're they did. You were to Jack Campbell we're, we're, six we're years, not, six, not, years not, six million per season. We are not not giving them credit. Well, listen, what we are telling you is was, that it's going to be a much different uh, attack game plan. They, uh, they're going to spend three days, four days, and they're going to create a book this thick on just trying to shut down Matthews and Marner. There will be uh, a signed. Players will be assigned checking roles just for those guys. And that's that's where you're going to hope that Mitch Marner and, and Austin have, have had their, their uh, life lessons when it comes to playoff hockey, mm-hmm. their disappointments, and they're going to find ways to overcome all of that. That's the difference between the regular season and the playoffs, Sammy. And that's not to disrespect or take anything away from them last night. Well, the Lightning looked ready in the first period when it was a close game, and then the Leafs no. paced. Yes, they, they was a, that was the, an unbelievable period. They peppered the Leafs like it was, they looked ready. They were ready. Does Sammy and know the, about the Easter Bunny? I don't know. Listen, I don't know. Just don't listen, care. I'm not that's, saying that. Two I'm, weeks for that. I'm not saying that they're going to go in and win the Cup now because they beat the Lightning, but they were, the Tampa Bay Lightning were ready to play in that game, and the Leafs took it to them and beat them 6-2. The Leafs are a very good team. They were ready to play. We're not saying that they're not a very good team. I mean, just no, we're not. We're not. (laughs) Anyways, we're not. (laughs) They Tampa Bay scored first, and they were ready to play. Sammy's Uh, ready to. I'm sour. I'm just sour. Like like, sour. This is the happiest day of his life. You're not sour. I'm not the happiest day. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Lightning in four games and they're going to go on and win the Stanley Cup. But they went into that game 100%. and kicked the crap out of the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions who the they Leafs were ready to play, and they were ready to. did everything that they needed to do for a convincing win. No question about that. Defensively, did we see bad pinches? Did we see them get a little goal-hungry? Did we see the cookie monsters come out uh, in the third period? No. They shut it down. They completely shut it down, and Jack came in, and started looking a little bit like Jack in the first, what, 35 games. Yeah. Tampa Bay, Sandy, remember last year? Tampa Bay in the playoffs. They beat, was it, it was game seven, they beat the Islanders 1-0, right? Was yep. it, and it might as well have been 100-0. That's Tampa Bay. Did you ever see more of a shutdown 1-0 game than what should have been like, oh my goodness, uh, Islanders could tie this. So they can beat you that way, right? And this is where... If you're going to win playoff games, hopefully the Leafs could do that as well, that you're on the right end of a one nothing game. You don't lose to Columbus one nothing, the game number one of that playoff series, and all the other different ways. So, the, I mean, so that's the, that's the Tampa Bay Lightning with the playoff bite. Uh, I just, I, they play great. Yeah, I'm not trashing the Leafs do, at all. Do we know who's starting in that tonight for the Leafs? Shalgren. Yeah, I, I like that move. So do I. Yeah, I like that move. Yeah. I don't even see this as a game. To me... This one doesn't feel like uh, the Leafs have to prove anything to Florida. Like, no. they, they proved last night that they can play against them. But, but if the Leafs win, Florida won't be ready. <laughs> oh, no. oh, boy. Well, oh, man. 
Oh boy! I'm just telling we've, you, man. There's Sammy. a different. There's a different. We've wrecked Sammy's day. There's a different atmosphere, Sammy. I know. <laughs> there's a different atmosphere. We do not agree. Well, Anyways, I better call the guest before Kipper kicks my ass. Okay, no, I'm hey, not going to kick your ass. Hey, one, I, I want you to be happy today. I want you to feel good because you felt bad and good and bad and good and bad <laughs> all season long. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah. It's all right. Sammy's Leaf team is $82 million over the cap, though. Because he gets excited, and he'll re-sign the guy for, like, $8 million a year like at six years, right? Starting with Jack Campbell and on and on. I After like last that. night's performance, Jack's uh, contract may be going back up, <laughs> Gordo. It never went down, Sammy. I got news for you. It didn't really go down all that much. So, Kippy, one more. I want to tell you. Here's another thing that bugs people about the playoffs. You know who had one of the best playoff performances in recent history? Mitch Marner against the Boston Bruins. Right, so that's why when you hear about it was no, nobody talks about that. No, I remember that Austin Matthews had was not getting played enough. There was a problem. Mike Babcock had to fly to Arizona to appease minutes. him. I know. So you think about it, Austin Matthews never really got a chance or was or, or made himself a star in the playoffs in those series. And there was problems with Babcock about ice time. Mitch Marner had an all world series against the Boston Ruins, including that shorthanded goal. And that's why. When I just heard, you know, not, and it wasn't from Mitch. Other people talk about the process, the growth. I go, he doesn't need to grow. This guy kicked ass in the playoffs two years ago. You know, it's like, 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 and that was part of it last year. Just the excuses that came from everybody. That was war- that should be war- that was worn by everybody. Okay, from top to bottom in the organization. I know we want to move forward, but that's that that's the wrath of what Leaf fans were the the the, the normal Leaf fans, the ones that don't go crazy on social media about. That's that was their problem with the team the last couple of years in the playoffs and probably the last four years if you throw the Boston game sevens in. Hopefully for Sammy, that's not. Uh, no, but you're not Green Marner. Yeah, that, that series against Boston, oh, no, no. off the charts, like he really they was. Are. But uh, they just know uh, going into this now and the expectations and the energy that they're going to have to create uh, has to be there. Yeah, or else the fingers will get pointed again. Yeah. And there's no COVID world. There's no extenuating circumstances, which which were legit for all teams involved. All right, let's bring in Randy Moeller, uh, voice of uh, the Panthers, TV color analyst for Bally Sports. Randy, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you? So Great you, to be on with you. You watched the Leafs last night, and um, uh, Panthers hiding right now. Are they worried? <laughs> well, that was that was quite the performance. Uh, I was very impressed uh, with what Toronto did. Man, they are you know not only shutting down one of the best offensive teams in the Tampa Bay Lightning in the NHL with Kucherov and Stamkos and that, but uh, the way that they're able to put up the numbers and Austin Matthews, the way he's scoring goals at will now, it's going to be a uh, the Panthers going to have to put together probably their best offensive game if they're going to come if they think they're going to come out of, out of this game uh, with two points. So where are the similarities? Uh, both teams like to put the puck in the net. We know that, but uh, where else do you see uh, the strengths and weaknesses on on both sides? Well, I, I think guys, both the teams they they just they want the puck the whole time, and and they're not happy when they don't have the puck. And they get distracted when they don't have the puck. Uh, they, they, they want to, they want to attack. They want to come uh, all five men uh, up the ice and and play that puck possession style and play that up up tempo style. Very similar hockey team. They got a lot of high powered uh, forwards and end defensemen that can jump into the play. And that the the Panthers' defense 
are the second uh, highest scoring uh, as far as point producing in the NHL behind Colorado. So uh, you can expect that tonight. I know Toronto, uh, Morgan Riley and company boy, they're going to come as well. So uh, this could be an eight seven or guys and I'm prepared for it. So, you know, we're just saying different mindsets and the Tampa Bay lightning is one mindset because two consecutive Stanley cups have been in the playoffs routinely, but you know, Randy, your team had a history of waiting too late here. You know, like, like, I always think the Florida Panthers, then the last 10 games going eight and two, and it came to game 82 and didn't quite make it. So talk about where their head is now being the first team to clinch a playoff spot. And, you know, what do you gauge over these next number of games to try to get you as prepared for the playoffs for a team that really doesn't have a lot of playoff experience recently? Yeah, and and that's it, Gordon. I mean, uh, that's what their mindset is right now is they, they just, they want to just use these last 14 games to be able to prepare and make sure that they're at a, at the level that they need to be for that first round guys, there's going to be four great teams in the Eastern conference that are going to be playing golf uh, a week and a little over a week after the playoffs start. And that's, that's a pretty scary thing. And for the Panthers, all the personal uh, accolades, the Hoover Dose, Barkoffs, everything that's gone on and breaking franchise records and that to a man, they don't want to talk about that. All they want to talk about is to win and have success and have a great long playoff run. That's their only motivate, motivation now is to get, and that's the reason they went out and acquired um, Claude Giroux and Ben Sherratt and, and, and to be able to make sure that they've got an army that if they do run into some injuries, that this is it. This is the year, guys. They've built up for this for a number of years. They don't want to hear about, fans don't want to hear about draft picks anymore and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, getting all kinds of assets and that. No, they don't care about it. Neither do the players. It's all right now. This is where they want to go. And as far as the goaltending and Bobrovsky and uh, Knight, still issues, keeping the puck out of their net. And where is the feeling there? Uh, is, can Sherratt help enough? Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you mean you know, big, big six foot two, two hundred and thirty pound defensemen don't fall out of trees. And um, you know, Ben Sherratt has really fit in. It seems like every game is getting more acclimated. Same thing with Giroux. But you know, I mean, the, the goaltending has not been a problem this year. I can't even, I think only I can count on maybe two fingers where the goaltending hasn't been uh, up to par and that. I mean, Bobrovsky's won seven straight. He's 23-3-1 in his last 27 games. So, um, you know, the Panthers, they will give up some goals, but they know because they have the offense that guys all season long, they've been able to score their way out of some jams and be able to come back They've got 14 comeback wins this year. Um, you know, and, and then the other the other afternoon on Saturday afternoon where they're down by four, 15 minutes left in, in New Jersey and come back and win in overtime. They've been doing that all season long. Um, I think they realize that the playoffs will be a much different animal. It's going to be lower scoring. It's going to be tight checking. It's going to be more physical. And that's where I think that the Panthers really have to focus this last stretch of games to make sure that they're ready for that and they're not surprised in the first round by a team that's just really going to try and shut down their offense. So, Randy, there's there's injuries and there's injuries to stud defensemen. They're really hard to have in the playoffs. So, Aaron Ekblad, what is the official word? 
Well, lower body injury, and uh, actually, I'll be totally honest with you. It's been very quiet, and um, the only thing, I don't want to quote Andrew Burnett, but a couple days ago he was asked, and no timetable, but he, they're happy with the progression that he's made with his rehabilitation. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think they can expect him back before the playoffs start. That's my feeling. But I don't know. I mean, athletes and, uh, can heal at different time limits and, and that. And uh, I know that, though, that they're, they're uh, going about their business. If and when Ekblad gets back, he was having such a phenomenal year. Um, that will be welcome, but uh, they feel they have enough depth now, um, you know, with Robert Haig that they got from from uh, the Flyers and and all, also uh, from Buffalo, and and then from and then you got Ben Sherrod as well. I mean, uh, they feel they got enough guys. They got Carlson here that's a healthy scratch, and he has proven he can be a top six defenseman in the NHL. Joel Quenville out, Andrew Burnett in. We talk about Sheldon Keefe going through some experiences uh, already through uh, his his first playoff. Um, how about the the fact that you're you're trying to win this thing now uh, with a guy with very little experience? Has uh, that played in? Have, have have there been opportunities where you know you've looked at it and said uh, you know maybe not the, the the guy that you would pick first and foremost to try to win a Stanley Cup in his opening season? Well, I, 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 you know, I, I don't know about that, but, you know, uh, Andrew Burnett is leading uh, for coach of the year right now. It has to be. I mean, look what he's done. And there hasn't been, ever since he's taken over the team, nothing has changed. They go about their business. His team is well-prepared, the whole coaching staff. Andrew Burnett has made changes to lineups, in-game, changing players around different positions, and it's worked. Everything that he's touched has worked. And, uh I, I give him a lot of credit, and he's held this team together. And the leadership of this hockey club, with the coaches and the older players that they have on here, the Hornquist now with Claude Giroux here, all he wants to do is win. It's become a destination. Joe Thornton wanted to come here because he felt he had the best chance of winning. Same thing with Claude Giroux. Same thing, uh, you know, with uh, Duclair, and 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 it goes on and on. Sam Reinhardt, Bennett. They all want to come here because they feel they have the best chance of winning because they have a great nucleus. So we'll see what happens. High expectations, though. This team, everybody now knows that they're going for it, and they've proven they're, they're, they've put all their, their chips in the middle, and it's going to be an exciting exciting ride. We'll see how they match up here tonight. I know that they, they didn't play their best, but I, I was really complimentary to the Toronto Maple Leafs in their last meeting over a week ago in Toronto. I thought the Maple Leafs did everything that they needed to do to win that game. Let's see if the Panthers can match that here tonight. So, you know, Randy, you want to bring up, sometimes it's little things that are galvanizing moments, and this is before the Sams came, Reinhardt and Bennett, what have you. And so refresh my memory and give you the skinny how I remember, because it's a quirky thing. And it's Zito takes over, so it's a new regime. And right off the bat, it's understood Keith Yandel's streak's not going to continue. And then my understanding is in some way, shape, or form, the players went and just said, no, we we don't appreciate that. We don't think there's right. And then there was a pushback saying, well, you guys are never in the playoffs anyway. We can't just... And, and, there, and there seemed to be a meeting or something that a commitment to a certain different style of hockey or whatever it may be, and Keith Yandel Street continued. So how much am I paraphrasing and, and how much is there some accuracy to it? And then how do his old teammates feel the way the streak ended? 
I, you know what, with uh, to be totally honest with the with the Yandel thing, I know there's been a lot of comments of, on both sides of of, of that. Um, and and not to take the easy way out, guys. You you know me. I, I I'll never do that. But but you know because of we're still in the protocols and there's still with Zoom meetings or Zoom interviews with players, whatever. We don't really get an opportunity to 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 talk you know openly with players. And and just like you're saying, what are their thoughts about uh, Keith Yandel his uh, his streak ending and that? So I haven't really it hasn't really never been discussed. Um, that I know of, I, I have no idea. But go back to the Florida thing. Was it something like that, that the Yandel thing became a galvanizing start to Bill Zito's start there? Yeah, I, I think so. He was a very popular teammate down here, and he what a great guy. And I, I, I enjoyed Keith Yandel down here. And that it's just, it's, there's such pressures from all areas when there's a streak on the line like that. And, and uh, you know, whether whether it's deserved or not or whatever, or you're, you're trying to respect the veteran and that there's so many different emotions across the board about how you can approach or what your thinking is of a veteran player like that. And I'm sure it was heartbreaking for the Philadelphia Flyers to come to that decision and, and that, and, you know, you guys have read all the comments, the pros, the cons, the criticism, the praise, um, what have you, it's all over the board. Just going back to that that Florida Tampa Bay first round where they just kicked the crap out of each other. Is there a sense that this this is the way the the Florida Panthers want to go again this year? That yeah, they can put the puck in the net. They got some skilled guys, but that that is one card that they can play. Um, I'm just wondering if if that's what we can expect maybe tonight out of Florida against the Leafs. And of course, taking a penalty these days is a is a bad mistake against the likes of Matthews and Marner. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Kipper. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, you just, you have to play physical against the Toronto Maple Leafs. They know that. They have to play strong defensively, but you can't take penalties. They'll just fill the net. They, you know, they don't have the best power play in the league for nothing. I mean, they're, they're so dangerous. So that, that plays, and I'm going to really watch that broadcasting the game tonight, how aggressive and, and that, I mean, the Panthers have players like Hornquist and like Lomberg and that, that, that they really like the forecheck and be physical and Gudis back on defense. He leads the NHL in hits. He's always going for the big hit, but it's going to be interesting to see how they, what their strategy is on the physical side against the Toronto, the Toronto team that comes in here and uh, is one of the hottest teams in the NHL. They're playing so well right now. Things are clicking for them and, and the Panthers know they got to bring their A game. Yeah, we were just talking earlier about it's it's the way you lose playoff series, and that's part of the problem or the, the, the sour playoff taste is the last two playoffs for the Leafs. And, you know, Kippy bringing that up, that, that was the best. That was my favorite series of the whole playoffs last year, that first rounder. So I, I would think con, the opposite. There's a lot the Florida Panthers gained in that kind of series, even though they lost. Yeah, I, I agree. They, I think that the experience, even though it was bittersweet, the experience that they that they had going in, and I think teams you've seen the teams do that. You've the, the teams that have won, uh, you know, recently in that they they've gotten to a certain point and they uh, they experience and all of a sudden, oh boy, this is a whole new level of intensity and and execution that you've got to accomplish in that. And I I think the Panthers really learned from that from that series. They were disappointed, but. You know, to lose to the eventual Stanley Cup champions again, um, you know, they got nothing to hang their hat at. But that's, but that's long in the past. And now 
they've, they've got such new players and, and they feel that they've, they've got a better team now, a more rounded, more depth. Their goaltending is so much better now that um, they, they feel it's, it's a different season than that. And, and I know the, the Panthers, they don't really care who they play in the first round or who they play if they're able to get through to, to the Eastern Conference Finals. They don't care. They feel they can match up against anyone, and, and rightfully so. They're the highest-scoring team in the NHL. We'll see if they can uh, continue that offense going. Looking forward to tonight, uh, Randy. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, anytime, guys. Love the program. Thank you. Thanks. Randy Moeller, Panthers TV color analyst. They, they, I don't, I don't think anybody can run the Toronto Maple Leafs out of any building. I think since the cross check, to be honest with you, the two game suspension, Mm -hmm. I I think we've seen a different team and it's not that they're, the Leafs are turning around and running everybody. But when I see guys like Engvall and Mikheyev play bigger and heavier, that, that just may be enough. And now Less questions about the second and fourth line now. Sammy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you want to listen to Keith talk about the third line? Let's, let's go to Keith talking about his depth now. Yeah, great. Uh, Pierre is outstanding tonight all the way through the game. Um, I mean, that, that first period, you know, I thought he was he was our best player in that first period and uh, uh, really set the tone for our game, and not, not just in the goal, but just with how he played, how he competed, the speed that he played with. I, I just thought he was excellent tonight. So, you know, obviously Austin has a big night tonight. And that line with Mitch and Bunce was really good. <clears throat> but just terrific performances all the way through our lineup. You know, I thought uh, Tavares' line was really good. Um, they played a lot of time against against the uh, uh, Kucherov in point and did a great job. Kerfoot scores us a huge goal. You know, obviously Pierre's goal, like we're saying here, but that line was really good with Kampf. And Iverzizi, I thought, also was was better tonight than he was in his first game, which is what you're looking for is continued progression. And then the Blackwall group just gave us great efforts as well, played lots of minutes and and uh, gave us good shifts. Defense was really solid throughout, so it's a good good team effort and great results here on the road. Clean ourselves up here now and uh, look to do it again tomorrow. Got a chance on the weekend to go visit a few of my, uh, my buds from 94. Must have been fun. We were a first-place team in the president's trophy leaders right and probably from the the force of a mike keenan he's like this ain't good enough and it's like you know neil smith and a few others going hey take it easy Uh, we're the best team in the league right now and keenan just went up to neil smith and said you want to win the regular season or you want to win the stanley cup because this is not good enough and he turned around, and the first thing he wanted to do all season long, but he finally got him, were two players, Mateau right, and Noonan. And I'm watching Engvall the last little while, and I'm going, he could be the Leafs' Stefan Mateau. Big, strong, skates, and can find ways to put a puck in the net. And this guy's game has gone completely to another level much like McKayev's. The strength for Stanley Cups, boys, really, if if stars cancel each other out, is that third and fourth line. Well, last couple of years, who are the third and fourth line? 
right? I mean, there was a there was going to be a, a Kasperi Kapanen and Janssen, but then cap issues. They met went elsewhere, and I'm not saying they should have them back. Would be better with them. They had to go a different way about it. And to your point, Kippy, this is the first time like Cash and Camp. You added and and you added those players. And Nick Ritchie didn't work out, but Bunting and those two did, and they all bring different spices. And then to see Engvall like have this kind of consistency and impact, you're 100 percent right, McKayev. It probably will be a one-year blip just because cap-wise. But so what? Enjoy it. The guy that was Michael Grebner, all those breakaways can never put them in, playing at a different level. And now you put Nylander, if you keep him on the third line or not, don't know. Uh, I know he didn't play last night, but just you've, you've got a lot of different spices that you didn't have. And, I, and I'm with you. And that's why Sheldon keeps been hard on Engvall, too, at different times. That, that, and, and, he, and he really, really, didn't he say Sammy's been hard on that's, Engvall. That's what I was going to say about Engvall and Keefe and I think you have to give a ton of credit to Keefe for how I guess maybe he just knows the type of person he had him with the Marlies he's had him forever that he's the type of guy that needs the kick in the ass kind of coaching and like he would go out of his way to throw Engvall under the bus multiple times like at the start of the year remember we would play the clip skipper where he would unprompted bring up Engvall and just say that he needs to be better. He would healthy scratch him at the start of the year. And now he's turned into one of the more important guys in the bottom six. Like on the penalty kill, his ability to stretch the ice there, his, I mean, his snapshot looks good. What does he have? 13, 14 goals this year. Like he really has taken a step. And a lot of it has to do with him not skating backwards towards his own net. He goes north all the time now. And just the confidence to hold on to that, the puck a split second longer. And it's like, oh, wait a second. I got six feet and I can skate the way I, mm-hmm. I can skate. Why am I dumping this puck in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just I, that realization. And that, that's, that's what's changed about his game. And beating uh, Vasilevsky from where he beat him, clean, low blocker, hard snapper. Like, that's not, a, that's not what he used to do. Him and Mikheyev have bo- both developed a scoring touch this year that I didn't necessarily think they had in them. Especially Mikheyev. I think it was our, our good friend Ben Ennis that sent out a tweet that said, I think McKayev got a hands transplant. <laughs> he, just, he looks like a different Chipped guy. It's, the cement off. Well, it's, boy, a couple of years ago, he almost did. Yeah, yeah honestly. Yeah, yeah really. So, but to go one step further now is you've seen Clifford and Simmons be in some games. So you have them there, and the Winnipeg game was an appropriate game to play them. And you can, because I want to hear this clip about Pat, because I love Pat Maroon. Just about, like... Simmons, is he going to stop chirping? Like, like, like he wants to fight. And what's happened all of a sudden? Like, he knows the game better than anybody, Wayne Simmons, what you can do and can't do. But it, it just seems... See, I so like w- the chirping. So you I, just leave I it at that? It. I love it. Don't fight, chirp? Uh, whatever needs to be done. But, you, but doing nothing and saying nothing is unacceptable. Even the chirping. And that brings up us to uh, Maroon's comments about the 10-minute misconduct last night and what the officials were doing. But... I like it. It adds to the story and it just, it holds your opponents a tad more accountable. It's not a, it's not a Will Smith, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a Jay Beagle on Troy. Terry, uh, Troy, Terry, Terry, yeah. Troy Terry, but it's not nothing either. And I like the fact that Wayne is, is out there and, and, Plus, and he can make, back it and up. making people, yeah, and if he needs yeah. to, he can back it yeah. up. So let's go to let's go to um, Pat Maroon's comments on on the ten minute misconduct and how unhappy he was. This game's going the wrong way. I don't know. I just, if, I guess you can't chirp each other on the bench now. I guess that's illegal. I guess 
it's better to watch 1980s hockey when guys are chirping each other, but I don't know why they did that, but the game's going opposite way, I guess. They don't want to see that anymore. I guess he said it's bad for the TV, which is really shocking to me, but... Must have been joking. If the official <laughs> said that, it must have been tongue-in-cheek. He doesn't really mean that, does well, he? I don't, no, he's, he's saying tongue-in-cheek. But what, what I found before, Kip, the officials got used to Now, keep in mind, this is in unison, so you're throwing them both out for 10. But given the two minutes used to be a killer. Like, used to be, they go, 10, that's it. And they go, what's the mess? guy's not going to play much anyway, so he can sit there for 10. But when he got two and you got a power play, then it pissed the coach off, right? So they were doing. So I don't see as many misconducts, and and uh, they've done them the last couple of times, and they, and they love that. They love that gesture on the side. Yeah. But I, I see what you mean. Like, like Simmons chirping is different than Gordo from the rail seats chirping. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's like, like you know, I'm going to run for the exits if the guy glares at me. But just 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 establishing your presence. Uh, Joe Smith, who does a great job covering the Lightning for the Athletic, he said that. For what it's worth, that Brian Engblom, who does the between the, the benches, said that on the broadcast, Wayne uh, Maroon said to Simmons, hey, you're going to be out of the league next year anyway. Uh, and then he got kicked out. That's what they get, the 10 minutes. So apparently that was the thing that sent him over the What did Wayne bench. say, though? There was no, there was no, he didn't say anything about what Wayne said. <laughs> Poor Wayne. He's going to be out of the league and he got 10 minutes See, in the box. But if you're throwing somebody in the box for 10 minutes for saying that, are you kidding me? This is where the officials get themselves into trouble. And Maroon's completely 100% correct. Of this course is, he's bang on. Just, this is just an official trying to... Six and stones, right? trying to get ahead of it. Yeah. Right? He's, he's predicting what's going to happen, and I'm going to be super smart here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this before it even happens. And this is where they get themselves in trouble. That's not your job. Yeah. Your, job is, your job is just to react to what you see, and that's it. And this is where we're getting ourselves in a little bit of trouble here. We're just, we're, we're so worried right now that we're going to just kind of sanitize this game to the, to the point where I'm telling you, it's going to be unwatchable. They, they, we've built this game on animosity, making people feel uncomfortable, calling people out. It, it's, it's part of of what the game is all about. You want to keep it super clean and sanitize it to the point where, where, where oh, I think you were going to say something, uh, you're out of the game. No, no one wants to go and watch that. No, and there's an understanding, particularly at grassroots hockey and a whole education process, what is acceptable and not acceptable. And we're talking about, obviously, race, religion, other things like that uh, versus chirp. Like, Chirp's great. What, what? Pat Maroon said, is extremely acceptable. They're great. I love that's, great chirps. That's the whole point of, like, I mean, I play beer league hockey and the, both benches are screaming at each other the whole game. That's yeah. the whole fun. And you that's know what you're doing. You know what's really fun is when it escalates to the point where you actually have to, every once in a while, call your somebody's bluff. And it's like, he's a bluffer. He's a talker. And it's like, all right. And then it gets to the point where, you know, you're... You're Troy Terry, hey, and it's like, all right, you want to jump in, you want to throw in your two cents, all right, down you go. It's like, do you, do you watch The Sopranos at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, a but, little bit. Yeah, no, but remember when Tony Soprano, it was it was a neighbor that the kids were friends, his, and then he wanted to get in the big poker game, right? And Tony Soprano just oh, said, yeah. no. The, the degenerate no. gambler with the yeah, he goes, outdoor yeah, store. Yeah, he said, no, you're not going to. And then all of a sudden, the guy, then Tony just kind of said, 
Okay. Yeah, well, all of a sudden, gone. Tony owns him now. He laundered Me- his whole business. He laundered his business. Yeah. Meadows driving the car <laughs> yeah. of her male friend that's his son because Tony warned him. You, you, you're in the deep end of the pool. You're in the deep end of the pool. And, Love that and, and I understand, you know, it's funny. You talked to Ryan Callahan, another former, and said exactly what you said yesterday to Justin Bourne. And I'm not, it's not taking sides that, that I, like, I'm trying to think 2022 is different than 2002. I think we all understand that. But you're right about all of a sudden when you step into the octagon, the hockey octagon, then all of a sudden it's, it's, that's still there, right? So, so Troy Terry stepped in where Tony, where Meadows' uh, friend's father stepped in the deep end of the pool for that poker game at a, at a level that he had no business being in. Love that comparison. That was a professional broadcaster. Holy hell. No, because Tony tried to talk him out of it. Remember? Yeah, Yeah, He just said, you know, the guy could see the drinks there and the high rollers. And I am... I am going to one-up your Sopranos okay. with an episode of Happy Days. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I got to hear this. All right. Okay, Fonz. Yeah, exactly. You're the Fonz? What a Fonz. There is with that episode, jacket on, you look like the Fonz. There today. is an episode of Happy Days okay. where the Fonz is teaching Richie Cunningham how to be tougher because there was this big, you know, bully <laughs> right. that made him... Like make the sounds of the ping, uh, the pinball machine, bong 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 bong. <laughs> Humiliated Richie, right? So Richie's tired of it, and he goes to get advice from the Fonz, mm-hmm. right? And Fonz is giving him all these tips. You know, lower your chin, talk lower. You know, talk tougher. And Richie spends the next ten minutes in the episode going around, going to his mom, "I want oatmeal," and she jumps. <laughs> It's working great until the bully comes back into the scene and Richie starts with the tough talk and the low voice and the chin down. And the bully's like, all right, we're going. And then he goes back to Fonz and he goes, hey, Fonz, this isn't really working. And you know what the Fonz says to him? No, I can't. Yeah, I I forgot to tell you, you have no reputation. (laughs) Zero. Every once in a while, you need to hit somebody. And you know what Richie says to him? Fonz, that's not a good detail to leave out. <laughs> now and, you tell me. And that's it. That's it. Is that like Austin in the uh, game in Hamilton? So who was, who was Troy Terry in that episode? Ralph Melf. <laughs> I, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. I love it. Troy Terry needed every once in a while. Potsy. Potsy would be worse. Somebody. Yeah. That's all. Just gain a little bit of reputation. Yeah. Just Harry, just Harry. Walking around, walking around and chirping ain't enough is yeah. the moral of the story. Um Harry M on our YouTube page says that the next references will be I Love Lucy. So <laughs> uh is Stephen Brunt available? <laughs> Anyways, we should the, break. The is toughness that, that, of Fred Mertz. Uh, you're with me on happy days. You're Absolutely. not I Love Lucy, are no, you? No, no, I'm I, I wait, there's nothing wrong with I Love Lucy. I don't I'm not I Love Lucy. No, I don't. I'm I'm with you on happy days. <laughs> and it and that show Jump the Shark and Sam's trying to save us from jumping the shark. Ah, television at its Right there.